All right, well, hey there, all you DC Comics news fans, DC Comics fans, comic book fans, fans of podcasts, lists, maybe the sound of my voice while you're driving to work, taking public transportation, doing chores, whatever they may be. Thanks for hanging out. Really appreciate it. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm going to be your host today for this episode of The Spinner Rack. This is episode number 127, and we're looking at all the books that came out from October 12th. Starting off our list, as we always do, as I do, and those of you who are with me do regularly, we take a look at uh, my first two, take an ad break, then my next three, and then wrap it all up in a tidy bow. And helping us do that, as far as the start, is Batman 89, number three. Really great uh, addition to that six-issue mini. Sam Hamm doing the writing, Joe Quinones with the art and cover, Leonardo Ito with the colors, Clayton Cowell, Cowell's providing the letters, and Mitch Gerard's with the variant cover. Now, I love the approach here. We have a Harvey Dent who had run into a burning building and attempted to rescue people. And at first, it appears that he was successful. He comes out. He has rescued so many needy citizens, like Timothy Drake. And he's been seen as a hero. Um, Within a year, he is the governor. And, well, that's when things take a sudden and drastic turn. Because it turns out what he is experiencing is not real. It's all a fantasy within his mind. And because of that, he finds himself awake and being dragged from the fire by Bruce Wayne and the very Tim Drake he thought he was saving in that momentary blackout. Harvey's recovery is just as tragic as it was the first time. He turns around confused, looking for Barbara, trying to figure out what he needs to do next, completely unaware of how severely he has been injured and hauntingly turning to the camera and all of those in attendance to say, there's something wrong with my face. And Harvey Dent is irrevocably scarred. He's rushed to the hospital. He is (laughs) struggling with his recovery, as are those around him. There are some lovely alludes to some future moments, which I think are amazing, such as a royal auto body (laughs) and an R with a yellow outline inside of a circle with a yellow outline, all backed in black. Um, There's a lovely exchange between Batman and Catwoman. And slowly but surely, Harvey Dent is turning into the villain Longtime fans all know and fear, known as Two-Face. Um, this is a spectacular addition. The characters are well thought out. They, they really sort of sing with a wonderful reminder of just how fresh Batman 89 was and how many different directions the story could have gone had it not progressed beyond the... Uh, Batman Returns 
and the third and fourth chapters in that saga. What if it had been like this book? Take a read through, discover for yourself. It's quite a reminder of all of the things that never were, but could have been, and we can still fondly consider. For my second choice, I decided to go with the Harley Quinn animated series Eat Bang Kill Tour. Now, when Lost, we saw Harley and Ivy. They had, well, run away. (laughs) Um, The wedding has come to an end. Harley has her ivy, and in this story by T. Franklin, with art by Max Saring, colors by Marisa Louise, letters by Taylor Esposito, and an original cover by Max Saring and variant cover by Babs Tarr, there's something delightful about the animated series that first premiered on DC Universe and now is a mainstay on HBO Max. And there are allusions to it on the original cover as well as the variant, but it is when they are side by side, talking, laughing, flirting, that Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn are such a match made in heaven. They are pure delight, pure thrill. They (laughs) don't always think things through, or at least Harley doesn't. But Ivy has learned to let's just say, get caught up in the moment with her love. And that makes them a little blind to the fact that even though they were able to get out of Gotham, that doesn't mean they left behind a certain Jim Gordon. Or that there isn't some risk in the fact that they're heading off to visit Selena Kyle at her private residence probably being tailed while they plan to go on a long-term adventure and harley has well without thinking it through as previously mentioned arrived with her hyenas hoping to ask selena who has many cats and no love of seeing them chewed up by harley's pets if she can pets it well conversation doesn't even get that far. First, there's some awkward interactions between cats, owner, and hyenas. There is also the fact (laughs) that the relationship between Ivy and Harley is not exactly defined. And, And then there's the arrival, the awareness of just how much has been happening that Harley and Ivy weren't paying attention to. But also there's the problem of Jim, who is clearly taking things far too far in his attempt to dish out justice. In fact, it puts him at odds with Batman. And it's Batman who is saying, this is not what you do. This is not who you are. And clearly, there's an ongoing conflict that's going to exist for Jim and Ivy and Harley. I don't see it coming to an end anytime soon, but I do seeing it part, if not entirely, the driving force of the action in the story and a constant distraction, while Ivy and Harley attempt to make things clear about who they are, what they both want, and what it is they're doing together. 
Hey, that's my second book. It's time for us to take a quick ad break. I'll be right back with you and my next three choices right after this. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton. And I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nerds. I definitely do not in need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents... Mad Love. The Harley Quinn Cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. F***ers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra-comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. 
What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth joke. (laughs) (laughs) Here's hoping. We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything off, you want. Anything you cup. want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't want God damn it. Look, all right. We're going to Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un- unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's season, whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. And we are back after the ad break. I've got my snoring dogs nearby. And it's time to keep things charging forward. For my third choice, I decided to go with a really interesting book. I'm talking about Batman the Imposter. Now, this one for me is just a treat. We have the opportunity to meet Batman and Bruce Wayne in a very early stage in his career and also an early stage in his relationship with the woman who will play a pivotal role in helping Batman understand his psyche. I'm talking about Dr. Tompkins, Dr. Leslie Tompkins. And how it is that Batman crashed into her house while in his earlier days of fighting crime and not having the best of nights as it is relayed. And their conversation dwells around the fact that Leslie knows who Bruce Wayne is. And now she knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman. And she needs some sort of (laughs) clarification on his part for why it is that he doesn't need severe psychological treatment if not confinement to a psychological facility so batman starts to tell the story and there are some great details like the first night in 54 years that there are no murders but also the toll of fighting crime and the added challenge of the fact that someone is out there dressing close enough in appearance to batman to confuse authorities who believe that this is Batman and that he is killing. There are blurry images, there are blurry bits of footage from video cameras, 
but there is nothing conclusive. But one of the issues is that it is affecting the might of some of the most powerful people in Gotham, some of the most powerful families. And those people in those families have decided that they no longer wish to put up with Batman. And they are going to start using their financial influence to put some pressure on the authorities, put some pressure on those in political power throughout the city and change the trajectory that Batman has been on. This leads to some interesting challenges awaiting Batman. In this story about the imposter, his early days, Leslie Tompkins, as well as a detective named Wong, who has been brought in on the case and who is also dealing with the (laughs) challenges she faces as someone who is not part of the 1% working for an organization that is heavily influenced by the 1% and now the case that she has been brought on and the danger it poses to Batman, a vigilante, someone whose opinion on she keeps very professional and yet at the same time suggests that whether or not she likes him, she's going to do her job. I think it's a very interesting development. I like the structure and the pacing. I mean, I think overall, it's one of those gorgeous stories where as you continue to move through it, it, it continues to deepen in complexity, in challenges, in, in so much more. And through it all, I think one of the things that really sustains it for me is the way the voices are presented, the way they capture not only the imagination, but the um, possibility. And with them, how it is that we get yet another look into Batman, especially at a time where I, I feel it's really interesting because, you know, we know that the Batman movie is coming. We know that when it gets here, <laughs> it's going to be looking at year two, at one of the earlier periods of Batman's career. And also how it is that so much more examination can be given to some of those things that are well-regarded, well-sort-of-known staples about Batman. You know, that if you've read the comics for long enough, you're familiar with many of the supporting characters, their backstories, and the, the stories that have kind of grown out of the many relationships that Batman has had with these characters and through them, how they connect us more closely, ground us more to the Gotham that (laughs) from the outside can seem like such a strange place, but the more time you spend within its, uh, its confines, you are able to recognize all the pieces that make such a thriving city continue to persist why it is that people in Gotham are not like others and why it is that Batham why <laughs> Batham why Batman continues to fight so hard for them it's a really lovely issue it's a really great um, example of how even if something's established when you go back to it and take a look at it from a different vantage point 
or a different perspective or even a different degree or level of understanding. It can reveal so much and because of that inform us all even more so about the characters we believe we know so well and the history that comprises our understanding of them. And in doing so, give us new stories to tell and enjoy and experience. For me, it was an absolute delight. It's a pleasure to share it with you. That's why I'm happy to make it my third choice on this week's selections. For my fourth, I decided to go with Pennyworth number three, a really fun story at the hands of monsters in a frozen prison, written by Scott Brian Wilson, with art by Juan Gedeon, John Roush providing the colors, the letters by A.W.'s D.C. Hopkins, and Jorge Fornes on the original cover. Pennyworth is still one of those really fun things that I have enjoyed because it tells so much about a character who's so established in the mythos and the lore of Batman. Alfred Pennyworth is the the steady man, the right-hand man. And in this series, we are jumping between two points in time. One, in a time closer to the present and before the events of his death, and then also to the time in the past when he was a young agent working for MI5 and how it was that he was, well, making his daily living, doing some of the most extraordinary things. Now, currently, he has found himself far below the ice while working with his partner, friend, sometimes more than friend, a, a friend from childhood who he was able to connect with again when they both took on roles in the Secret Service. <laughs> they were able to have brief rendezvous on occasions between missions, and every once in a while, they find themselves able to work together. Their mission this time has gone beyond the original ramifications. They have created a really dangerous challenge for Pennyworth. And up until now, he's described how often it is that he has been able to feel like the two of them can always do things together. But surely, she is more than he understands. And what she wants goes beyond the simple directives of their mission. Something that Alfred discovers, sadly, tragically, in a very <laughs> perilous scenario. And because of that, well, he is now forced to work on his own, find a solution. And then even when he thinks he's gotten himself out of the frying pan, he may have just landed in the fire. And without that confidence that has always come with working with Shirley and the fact that his confidence has been so severely shaken by her betrayal, well, how it is that Pennyworth is going to get himself out of this one? I mean, there's the fun fact in that he's alive in the present day story, which means we know he got out. 
But there's also something about why tell a story in the present and the past unless there could possibly be a connection. And is that what is hinted at when we learn a little bit more about that present day story? You'll have to check it out for yourself. I highly recommend it. There are many great elements to this from the story, to the beautiful colors, to the wonderful letters, to the uh, imaginative pencils that frame everything and that are there to be filled in. And I highly encourage, if you haven't been reading, pick up Pennyworth. You don't have to start with number three. You can get them all. But after you do, let me know what you think. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, my fourth selection on uh, episode number 127 of The Spinner Rack. For my fifth and final, I've decided to talk about a book I've really enjoyed, and it is Superman and the Authority. Now, maybe I'm just the world's biggest sucker for uh, Grant Morrison and his writing. I've loved what he's done with some of um, my favorite characters. And his recent run on Green Lantern was nothing short of genius, especially combined with Liam Sharp. So putting him now with Mikhail Yanin, who has done some amazing work with some of the best writers and collaborations in the business, and then adding on Gorgeous Colors by Jordi Belair, Letters by Tom Napolitano, Original Cover by Mikhail Yanin, and Yannick Paquette and Nathan Freiburn providing the variant cover. They're both phenomenal. One has a very classic comic book feel to it, and the second is, well, it's just a really fun variant that I'm sure I would love to include in my collection, as would anyone else who absolutely knows great art when they see it so our story picks up and superman has been well he's been lifted in an unconscious state by the ultra humanite so that his brain can be removed and used for nefarious purposes the ultra humanite a legendary villain this scenario not unfamiliar to so many comic fans who know of his history and yet he and the team that he's brought are not prepared for all of the weapons that superman has whether it's his team the authority or the amazing lois lane or well the fact that just because you think you know how to exploit superman and his weaknesses doesn't mean that you always do doesn't mean that your plan is going to work out and then you've got Superman with people like Midnighter and Apollo and Manchester Black and John Iron's daughter. <laughs> and whoever it was that was sidling up with Ultra Humanite, guys like Iron Cross and others, they simply were not prepared for just how bad it can get. But Superman is. In fact, his plan is to understand just how well this team can work together, what they can do, how they can accomplish it, and what it's like when things happen and they have to simply react. That's often the case in many superhero stories, and Superman has been around for a long time, worked with a lot of groups, has decades invested with the Justice League, knows what it takes, what's going to be required, because he also understands the mission that they are taking on. And that's when he shares his vision and his plan. And through that, we have the opportunity to look ahead 
to know the events that have transpired in Action Comics and how they will continue to inform the new adventures Superman will be taking on and the new milestones he'll be adding to a legacy that is already racked with so many amazing memories. It's a wonderful preparation and a great send-off. Yet another one for the Man of Steel. I look forward to seeing what transpires next. I hope you do as well. That's my fifth and final for this week's episode of the Spinner Rack, episode number 127. I've been your host, Seth Singleton. Hey, wherever you're listening, make sure you hit the subscribe button. It's how you guarantee you're always going to get the newest episodes, whether it's the Spinner Rack, our weekly DC Comics News podcast, bringing you movies, TV, streaming, comics, and so much more all from the DC Comics world, all shared with you so you can be in the know, well, as soon as we are. And then, of course, there's great original programming like Mad Love and I Am The Night, both episode-by-episode podcasts designed to go in-depth on shows like Harley Quinn and Batman the Animated Series, as well as new and original programming soon to be coming your way. And of course, if you have a question, a comment, a thought, a suggestion, or just some praise, or you just want to say hi, find us on your favorite social media platforms from Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and Tumblr to YouTube and more. Just use the at symbol in DC Comics News. That's at capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S. When you do, we'll get your message. We'd love to have conversations. Can't wait to hear what you're thinking and what you have to share. And until next time, as we always like to say here, Read more comics. Bye now.